Isn't it funny how all we need is some music and we can remember so much, so many words come with it when we put it with music. Whoa, for the longest time. Like, like we remember things because, because of that. And the book of Psalms isn't that much different. They had truth that they put with music and it helped them remember things. In book five, a main theme of book five is the foreverness of God's kingdom. He's going to be the king forever and ever and ever. And it's very messianic in book five. Right in the middle of book five, there's this section of 15 uh, 15 songs, and they're called the Psalms of Ascent, or some translations put it, the Psalms of Degrees. So the idea is they would say these psalms on their way to worship. Some people believe it was on their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. They would, uh, they, would, they would sing these along the way. So there's, there's the first one, and then they'd sing these songs along the way to worship. And, and they were always, it was, it's a scent because you see they're going to worship God. In, the, in Psalms, Zion or Jerusalem is always the highest place. You could be on Mount Everest, and you would still say that you got to go up to Jerusalem. It's not how high it is, but you're going up to a spiritual, it's a spiritual up. You're going to the place of worship. You're going to the kingdom of God. To seek Jerusalem was to seek the kingdom of God. So we're going to look at the Psalms of Ascent today. And they sang these as they were, like three times a year when they did their pilgrimage to Jerusalem, they would sing these. And so if they sang those songs at least three times a year on their way to worship, they would remember these. These were the things they wanted to remember. These are the things they wanted to have stuck in their head. Just like those songs we sang and you can't touch. Like, like you had it. You, like, like Travis, you had, you can't touch because of the beat. These are the things that they had stuck in them and these are the things that we should have stuck in us when it comes to the kingdom of God. Things we, we shouldn't forget. So let's look at the first one. Here's the first one. This is how the Psalms of Ascent begin. Number one, God is calling you to come closer. God is calling you to come closer. This is how the Psalms of Ascent get started. In Psalm 120, this is the first one. Verse one, I call on the Lord in my distress. How many know we, we sometimes are in distress? And if you're ready to head towards God, good place to be. In distress, you can start right there. God's calling you to come closer. I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. Verse five, woe to me that I dwell in Meshech, that I live among the tents of Kedar. So those are two places. One's north of Jerusalem, one's south of Jerusalem. So he's saying, woe to me that I live here, woe to me that I live here. He doesn't live in two places at once. What he's saying is, in an artistic way, woe to me that I don't live in Jerusalem. Oh, it's a lament that he's not with the kingdom of God. He's not in the kingdom of God. He's, he wants to go. If you're far from God today, this is where you start. The bottom step. You start where you are. You don't have to get somewhere else before you can start a journey towards Jesus. You start today. You start right now. And if you mess up more today, guess what? You can start tomorrow. Now is always 
the best time to begin a pursuit towards Jesus if you're far from God. If you're close with God, you start here too. If we're going to take our journey towards the kingdom of God, cry out to the Lord. God's calling you closer. God is calling you beyond where you are now. It doesn't matter who you are or what you are or where you are or when you've been. God isn't happy with you staying where you are. I like to call this the great deception. See, if I was Satan, like think like Satan for a minute. If you were Satan, if I was Satan, I would realize that in a place like this, in a church in America, there's going to be a whole lot of, like, I couldn't get most of you, perhaps any of you, to turn on your faith. I couldn't get you to renounce Jesus. But do you know what I might be able to do? Get you to be complacent. Get you to be happy that you're saved. And you can sit back. Happy. Content. Hey, God's calling you to get closer. God's calling you to come closer. The great deception is that we're fine where we are. If Satan says to you, oh, you should just renounce Jesus, that's clearly a lie. Duh, he don't stand a chance. But so, so he'll be sneakier. You've done good. Good job. Just take it easy. Sit back. You, you have been saved. Congratulations. You have your reward. You got there. You arrived. You haven't. I know because you're breathing. You haven't arrived. So God's calling you someplace further. Never be happy just staying where you are spiritually. God's calling you to come closer. Romans 12 says, never be lacking in zeal. Philippians 3 says, we press on to win the prize for the upward call of God. So let's do it. Let's journey towards the kingdom of God. Here's the second thing that they they were going to remember, and the second thing I want us to remember about the kingdom of God from the Psalms of Ascent. Number two, dependence and trust are essential. For those far from God, look what's reminded. Um, So dependence and trust are essential. Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2 says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. I I got to see dependence and trust. This morning, my my son's not feeling too well. Hey, Caleb, Lane, if you're home watching, hi. Uh, But my son wasn't feeling too well uh, this morning, and I was about to leave, and, and he said, Dad, is mom going to stay home and take care of me? I said, absolutely, Caleb. Somebody's always going to take care of you. See, as a child, we have this sense of knowing that we need someone to take care of us. And somehow when we become an adult or we become older, we become proud that we don't need anyone. Dependence and trust are essential for the Christian. Psalm 123. I lift my eyes up to you. This is where we look. Where do we look? To the Lord. To you who sit enthroned in heaven. As the eyes of slaves look to the hand of their master. As the eyes of a female slave look to the hand of her mistress. 
So our eyes look to the Lord our God till he shows us his mercy. This passage is not an endorsement of slavery. It's a picture, uh, it's a word picture describing truth to people that would understand, like for them in that ancient times, it was a basic way of life. It was the word picture to help them understand a truth. For us, it might be helpful for us to picture, when when the Bible's referring to a slave here, we could picture like a butler. As the eyes of, of a butler look to the hand of Lord Grantham, as the eyes of a, of, of, a, of a butler look to the hand of the master, do we look to the Lord like that? Imagine a butler standing behind the master at dinner time. What's he going to do? Oh, he needs something. Here, here's, here's your water. Oh, here, let me. That was the napkin, you know. He would stand behind the master, ready to do whatever he needed. Do we look to the Lord like that? With dependence and trust? Uh, Commentator Boyce says, do we look look to God like that? Reverently, obediently, attentively, continuously, expectantly, singly, submissively, imploringly? Probably not, but we should. In our blessed nation, this is very difficult. This is very difficult. We're blessed with great freedom simply because we live in the United States. We were founded upon a declaration of independence. But Christian, your Christianity is founded upon a declaration of dependence. Don't get that confused. Don't get politics confused with, with your faith in this regard. If we're going to please God, we need a declaration of dependence. So, oh Lord, we depend on you. We trust you. May our eyes forever be pointed to you, ready to attend to whatever you say, whatever you need, because you provide everything we need. Our, our help comes from you. Our hope is in you. So we look to you this morning. Amen. Amen. Here's the third thing that Israel would have, would have uh, remembered. On their way to worship, they would have sang this and they would have remembered this. Number three, if God did it then, he can do it again. Yeah. If God did it then, Come on. he can do it again. Yes. Let's look at Psalm 126. So, so, the first, so this chapter is in two hunks of three verses. So here's the first three. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. And then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. My paraphrase of that section so far is, God's done great stuff for us. The next three, my paraphrase would be, God, please do great things for us. Restore our fortunes, Lord like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. There's a turnaround, there's a redemption. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them, a harvest. If God did it then, he can do it again. Church, let's let evidence build our faith. 
We can recall the past. It's interesting to me how often in the book of Psalms they recite historical things. God, you did this. God, you did this. God, you did this. God, you did this. Some of the Psalms are, are just like a, like a history book of what God did. Why? Because you did it then, you can do it again. What's God done in your life? When you're in your low moment, what's God done in the past? Because if God did it then, he can do it again. Long time, I was born with club feet, so I had a lot of surgeries and stuff. And um, uh, one of them, I think I was about 11 years old, I had uh, bone surgery on my left foot. And every time I would walk for a little while, like 20, 30 minutes, I would get this ache, like, inside. And we think it was like a bone spur or something. We didn't, never went back, but, like, it hurt bad. And uh, I remember I was at church camp years back, and, um, you know, I had to walk all over the place at church camp, and my foot hurt so bad. And the pastor said, we're going to pray for people that need a physical healing. And I thought, oh, God, could you heal my foot? Could you make that pain go away? (sighs) And then he told a story about a lady in his church who had cancer, they prayed for her, and then she went back and the doctor said, I don't know what happened, it's all gone. And I heard what God did for somebody. And I thought, well, if he can make cancer go away, certainly he can make the pain in my foot go away. And I thought, yeah, it built my faith. And people gathered around me and prayed for me, and that night, the pain that I had in my left foot, inside my, that I'd been dealing with for a couple years as a kid, just went away. It was gone. And it never came back that same way. That pain, I remember, I remember right where the, the hurt was in the bone. It never came back there in that spot ever again. I was able to step my faith, to move in faith because of what I heard God had done. Maybe you're able to move in faith today because you heard what God did. And the next time I'm in pain or I'm having some medical issue, I'm not scared to pray and ask God to heal me because I know what he did. And if he did it then, he could do it again. We asked for some testimonies of people online this morning. I'm just going to read a couple. God has delivered me from drugs as a teenager. He turned my life around and has put me in a place where I can assist those with addictions. If God did that for them, he can do it again. And he could do it in your life. Uh, Sarah says, from one of the encounter nights that we had here, I was healed and set free. If God did it for her, he could do it again, and he could do it for you. So if you don't have a testimony to lean back on, use theirs. Use mine. Read your Bible. This Bible's filled with things that demonstrate the power and faithfulness of God. If God did it then... He can do it again. So look to the past to remind yourself of what God can do. That raises your faith. So on our way to worship then, here's the parenthetical thing that that says. On our way to worship, uh, we remember where God's been to increase our faith. On our way to worship, we should become expectant. I hope when you come to church, you expect to meet God. Yes. All right, here's number four. Here's number four. Find rest in God. Find rest in God. 
Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. This is not speaking against hard work. This is, against, this is speaking against trusting in your own hard work, apart from God. Whatever you want to build, whatever you're building, without God, you build in vain. God should be a part of it. The verses after this actually begin to talk about a family. So it's quite possible that this whole chapter is referring to building a household, building a family. Without God, the builders build in vain. The coat of arms in Edinburgh, Scotland... Uh, actually has the first phrase of Psalm 127 on it. And it says, Nisi Dominus Frustra. Without God, without the Lord, frustration. That's the Latin, the beginning of Psalm 127. Without, without the Lord, frustration. We work and we work in our jobs. Without the Lord, Frustration. We work and work to build a godly marriage without the Lord, frustration. We work and work to raise our kids, to disciple them without the Lord, frustration. Remember Ephesians 6 says, fathers, do not exasperate or needlessly, um, needlessly irritate your children, but instead bring them up in the way of the Lord. If you want to be a good dad, step number one, bring your kids up in the way of the Lord. Bring them to church. Teach them what God says. So peace is near. Abandon the tyranny of life and receive God's rest. Find your rest in God. Here's the fifth thing that they would remember. The road to God's blessing is not without difficulties. The road to God's blessing is not without difficulties. See, the blessing is in Zion, in Jerusalem. Psalm 128, verses 5 and 6. May the Lord bless you, where? From Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. The blessing is in the kingdom of God. And you see, where, where most nations would celebrate and rejoice over uh, all they have accomplished, Israel celebrated and rejoiced over all they survived. It's like a different, a different perspective. Oh, this is all the stuff we got through. Why? Because it builds faith. Psalm 129 continues. They have greatly oppressed me from my youth. Let Israel say, they have greatly oppressed me from my youth, but they have not gained the victory over me. The road to God's blessing is not without difficulties. Three times a year when the Jews would... would Pilgrimage to be pilgrims to Jerusalem, they would sing this. They would sing about what they survived to remind them of the truth that the road to God's kingdom, the road to God's blessings is not without difficulties. Don't become a Christian thinking this is all going to be easy. This is hard. In fact, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world, he says. The road to God's blessings is not without difficulties. However, uh, 
the very next psalm continues this idea. The greatest hindrance to the kingdom of God isn't difficulties. It's your sin. It's your sin. Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. So I'm dead. Only thing I could do is call out to you. Out of the depths. Do you know where you find the greatest pearls? Out in the depths. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Verse 3. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. See, difficulties make serving God difficult. But our sin actually hinders our ability to serve God. Verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in this word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Think of a watchman staying up all night watching for the enemy to come. And all they're waiting for is the morning so they can have a rest. More than that guy is waiting for morning so he can have a break. I wait for the Lord. More than a watchman waits for the morning. More than a watchman waits for the morning. And now they look to the cross. So this is becoming about the Messiah. This is becoming about Jesus. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love. And with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. The greatest hindrance to the kingdom of God isn't difficulties. It's our sin. So let's not grieve the spirit of God. See, when they sang that, when Israel sang that, they were looking towards the Messiah. We have him. We have him. We have him. Praise the Lord. Number seven thing to be reminded of, Jesus is king and he's coming. Jesus is king and he's coming. That's what the Jews were thinking. There's a Messiah coming. There's a Messiah coming. Jesus is king. The Messiah is king, and there's a Messiah coming. Let's read it. Psalm 132, verse 11. The Lord swore an oath to David with a promise that he will never take back. I will place one of your descendants on your throne. That was Jesus. If your descendants obey the terms of my covenant and the laws that I teach them, then your royal line will continue forever and ever. Forever and ever is a really long time. This has to be talking about the Messiah. For the Lord has chosen Jerusalem. He has desired it for his home. This will be my resting place forever. He said, I will live here for, the, for this is the home I desired. I will bless this city and make it prosperous. I will satisfy its poor with food. I will clothe its priests with godliness. Its faithful servants will sing for joy. Here I will increase the power of David. Here, here the power of the kingship will, will grow. He won't just be king. He's going to be a bigger, a stronger king. My anointed one, Jesus, will be a light for my people, everlasting light. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but he will be a glorious king. Jesus is king, and he's coming. He was king in the beginning. First, first uh, not first Colossians. Colossians chapter one talks about that. He was king in the Psalms. He was king on the first Christmas, born as a baby. He was king on the cross. He was king in the tomb. 
Now he's king in heaven. He's still king today. And he'll be king when he comes back. And he is coming back. See, Israel sang this with expectation. They sang this. Jesus is king. There's a Messiah and he's coming. They sang this with expectation. Jesus is king forever. Jesus is king forever. There was an expectation, longing for their Messiah. Do we say it's, have that same vibe for us? Because you know our Messiah is coming. Come on. Or are we just happy that we got him once? Like we have received him. But the beauty of Psalms is that their prayers can become our prayers. We can step into the book of Psalms and pray this. So they said, oh, Messiah, come. And we can say today in 2021, oh, Messiah, come. Lord, come quickly. Lord, come. I long for your coming. Do we have that vibe in us, that feeling inside of us? Oh, Lord, come. Come. Or are we just happy that we got him sitting back? Well, I was saved. That's enough. Every time we take communion, we're, we're to declare the day of the Lord until it's coming. Like, like, like we, and why? Because we want to remember that. So let's be expectant of our coming return of the Messiah. The kingdom is yet. I saw a, a bumper sticker one time. It really bugged me. And I'm, I mean, it, it, I think it probably should bug me. It was meant to be a kind of a joke. But it really wasn't funny. It said, Jesus is coming soon. Everybody look busy. Like, like we just got to pretend. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's like the real world. But it got me thinking, Jesus is coming. Everybody get busy. Don't just pretend it. Church, Jesus is coming. Get busy. Not just look it. Get it. Okay. The band's going to come on up. Here's the eighth thing to remember. Your worship is a part of our worship. Your worship is a part of our worship. Psalm 133 says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. God's, God's people living together in unity isn't just about feeling good and, oh, that was nice. God's people being together in unity is about power, strength, and serving. The rest of the chapter talks about that. Church, let's not look at our worship as a personal act of holiness. Is it that? Yeah. Like, like, like you personally had to make the decision to come to church. And you personally have to open your mouth and sing the song that we're going to sing in just a minute. Like, it is personal. But your worship doesn't live apart from our worship. Your worship is our worship. When you're baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus, that means you get saved. When you become a Christian, when you're baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus... Your salvation does not exist in a vacuum. You may live like a hermit. You may be isolated on an island. But if there's some guy isolated on an island all by himself who's a Christian, he's a part of our family. And his worship exists with ours, not separate from it. Your worship is a part 
of our worship. This is the kind of thing that they would say repeatedly on their way to worship. They reminded themselves of it. And I like to imagine as the Jews came in towards Jerusalem from maybe different directions, this is the one they sang at the end when they were in Jerusalem. How wonderful is it? How pleasant is it when there's unity? There's strength in unity. There's, There's power to serve God when we are united. Would you stand with me? We're going to actually put this into practice today. And today we're going to lift up our king. Let's go ahead and hit the track. We're going to lift up our king today because he's a good God.